Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to tell you about the Crash at Crush, a publicity stunt that took place in the US back in 1896. And this publicity stunt involved, if you'll believe it, deliberately crashing two high-speed trains into one another. Now, of course, we're all familiar with publicity stunts. There was that bloke what jumped or skydived, skydived, skydove. I don't know, from the stratosphere uh, for Red Bull a couple of years ago. Um, back in back in 2004, the UK supermarket Asda offered free eye tests for Swiss citizens when a Sw- uh, when a Swiss referee knocked England out of a out of a soccer tournament. Um, even the uh, even the Hollywood sign, right in in Los Angeles, it began life as a uh, as a publicity stunt as well, advertising uh, advertising a real estate development. Anyway. None of these publicity stunts involved smashing two locomotives into one another at top speed, however. But as it turns out, this was apparently just something that old railroad companies used to, like, do in order to drum up business. In, in the late 19th century, uh, railroads were, were booming across many parts of the world, uh, including the United States. And in, in 1896, a bloke named William George Crush was looking for ways to drive business to the company that he worked for, the Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad, usually referred to as the Katy because of its initials, MKT. Um, in May of that year, May 1896, a different railway company, the Columbus and Hocking Valley Railroad, they had established a tourist attraction, Buckeye Park, in a town called Lancaster in the state of Ohio, and uh, the, the Columbus and, and Hocking Valley Railroad had built this park purely to give people a reason to get the train out of Columbus, as if they needed any further reason other than, you know, just being in Columbus. Um, uh, but in order to raise awareness of Buckeye Park, this, uh, this railroad company had decided that the best way to get people to come and visit it, to get people aware of the fact that it existed and it was a, it was a nice trip down from Columbus, right, was to put on a public spectacle by crashing two trains together. And look, this worked. They planned this crash for the day that Buckeye Park opened and 20,000 people got on the train from Columbus to come and see it. And I mean, look, that sounds like a lot, but then you think their choice was to either go and watch a literal train crash or instead remain in the figurative train crash that is life in Columbus, Ohio. So anyway, um, seeing the seeing the success of this event in Ohio, 
William George Crush of the Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad decides that this is just the thing that his company should do as well to let everyone know about the exciting new train route between Dallas and Houston in the state of Texas. And this idea of his came along at a very good time too, because the MKT had just invested in brand new trains, bigger and stronger they were. So they had old obsolete trains that were just sitting around gathering dust. They weren't in use anymore, right? So perfect, right? Use these old trains that, that aren't doing anything else, organize a great big event, get a, you know, get a ton of people down to watch it and smash them together. Perfect, brilliant, right? Crush starts to organise this event. He chooses a location out near Waco, Texas, and he starts to put together all the details. First of all, the masterstroke, right? This event was going to be free. Free for people to attend. You get to go and get to go and watch a train crash for free. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? So this is a, obviously a fantastic start, but you might be thinking, well, hang on one second. How are the MKT going to make any money off of this? They're smashing these two trains together, not charging people admission to come and see it. What's the, you know, surely it's, I mean, it's good publicity. Certainly it's going to be exciting, but they've obviously they've got to cover their costs. Well, it wasn't actually free, was it? No, because you needed to get there, right? Crushers picked this spot way out the back of Burke. No one, no one's living out that way, right? And he has picked a spot that is very difficult to get in any way other than by train, and, you know, this is before you could do something like call an Uber. The only way for non-locals to get there was via the railway. And the MKT sold train tickets to this event for $3.50 each, which doesn't sound like much. But let me tell you, that is over $100 in today's money. So they cleaned up because even if the event were free, getting there certainly was not. And the railroad company did very well out of ticket sales, as we'll come to in a second. But it wasn't all just about the train crash. Crush organized a circus, carnival activities, food and drink vendors, uh, and of course, a great big grandstand, right, for everyone to watch the crash from. Uh, and then this little sort of impromptu town, I guess you could call it, this this thing that he'd thrown together, uh, it, it even had a name. It was called Crush Texas, after him, after the bloke who'd put it together. Now, of course, needless to say, right, safety was a top priority for this entire event, for everyone involved. I mean, as you've probably already guessed, as we're talking about people who decided that crashing two trains together was a good idea, Anyway, in the name of safety, right, not only did the MKT build a separate railway line for the crash to take place on, they also made sure that the crowds in attendance would be well back from the crash itself, almost 200 metres, right? There was a barrier put up 180 metres away from where the trains would crash together. And so, I mean, there's no chance at that sort of distance that anyone's going to get hurt. He's there, absolutely not. Of course not. Anyway, with everything prepared and ready to go, on the 15th of September, 1896, Tens of thousands of people converge at this makeshift town of Crush. Crush and the organisers expected around 20,000, maybe 25,000 on a good day, 25,000 people to show up. But instead, over 40,000 people rocked up. To put things in perspective, right, 40,000 people in 1896, this made Crush, the town, the second most populous city in Texas for the day that they were all there. If everyone at this event had just decided to settle where they were, build houses and start a new town, it would have been the second biggest town in the state. 30 special train services were filled with people wanting to see the crash at Crush. MKT 
absolutely made their money back and then some. All of these people were paying customers $3.50 each to get down to crash, to see the crash. And all of these people were very, very excited to see two trains smash into one another at top speed. They are clamouring to get closer to the action after they arrive, despite the cops guarding the safety perimeter that had been set up. People are trying to get past them, get close to where the trains would crash into each other. Um, the trains in question, by the way, were the exact sort of train you imagine when uh, thinking about, you know, like an old-timey Wild West steam train, snowplow at the front, bulbous smokestack, those weird sort of camel hump things along the top of the engine, a classic steam engine, right? Anyway, at 5 o'clock, these trains come out along the track, right? They're placed next to one another for a photo opportunity, facing off against each other like a bunch of bloody UFC fighters. You can go online and see these photos. They're all online. You can go and have a look at what this tra- these trains look like. Uh, and after the photos have been taken, the trains were backed up and made ready for the smash. Now, Crush, right, he obviously obviously a bit of a showman, liked to, uh, liked to get the crowd up and about. He rode out in front of the assembled audience on a white horse or a grey horse for all of the equestrian nerds listening, and raised his white hat, or maybe it was a grey hat, I don't know, raised his hat above him to give the signal to the engineers and then threw it down to let them know that the time had come. The engineers aboard the trains got them going, built up steam, sent them off down the track, and then leapt to safety from the trains as they began to barrel towards one another. And with all the noise and smoke and excitement that came with two old steam trains going like the clappers, these two locomotives hurtled along, getting closer and closer, reaching a top speed of around 70 kilometres an hour before, with a mighty rending crash, they slammed into one another, bits of wood and debris flying everywhere. How exciting, the crowd goes bonkers. For about a second, because shortly after crashing into each other, both of the boilers of these two trains exploded. For those who don't know about boilers and steam engines, these things were what generated the power a train would use to move, and they operated under enormous pressure. Not in the get the episode out on time the listeners are expecting it pressure, actual literal KPA pressure. And so when these two trains smash into one another... This ruptured both of the boilers, which then exploded with colossal force. Chunks of metal were blown metres into the air at great speed and in all directions. And all of a sudden, the seemingly safe 180 metre barrier that had been set up was anything but that. A hail of burning hot scrap metal flung from the engines at a million miles an hour rained down on the assembled crowd. Two people were killed and six more were injured, including a photographer. Jarvis Dean took a photo at the very moment the trains collided. You can see it online. And then the next second, a piece of metal from the explosion hit him in the eye. People panicked and fled from the wreckage as fast as they could, fearing for their lives as metal debris continued to fall all around them, from small fragments to larger, barely recognisable pieces of equipment from the train, wheels and rods and whatever else, all twisted out of shape by the force of the explosion. But then, once the dust settled, the panic crowd changed their minds, realised things were going to be okay, and, if you'll believe it, many of them actually surged back towards the wreckage in order to pick up pieces of the trains as souvenirs for themselves. Anyway, 
Crush and the MKT had set out to generate publicity and they definitely did that. Next day, papers all across the US were filled with the sensational details of the crash at Crush. Crush was fired on the spot. The whole thing had been his idea. But then, amazingly, people actually turned on the MKT for firing him. Crush had put on a damn fine show, they said. He didn't deserve to lose his job over it. And so, believe it or not, the MKT actually hired Crush back and he spent, his, he spent the rest of his working life with the company. I mean, after all, who possibly could have foreseen that crashing two steam trains into each other at top speed would result in something like the boilers exploding? Well, Crush had foreseen it, actually, and he had specifically asked the engineering staff if this would happen, and they had assured him that no, it would not. So, I mean, at least he checked. In any case, Crush was acquitted in the court of public opinion, and he escaped unscathed. As for the people who were very much scathed by the event, the MKT didn't uh, want to risk going to the actual courts, never mind the courts of public opinion, and so settled with cash payments uh, and, funnily enough, lifetime passes for the railway for those who had been injured in the, uh, in the explosion, uh, including, including Dean, Jarvis Dean, the photographer. He received a $10,000 payout for the loss of his eye, $330,000 in today's money. But this and all the un- other money that the MKT paid out It was peanuts, man, compared with what they got out of the event. Brand awareness of the MKT was at an all-time high, and ticket sales surged. The MKT did very, very well out of the crash at Crush, let me tell you. And in the years that follow, believe it or not, even more companies staged train crashes to draw attention to their railroad services. But it was always the crash at Crush that remained the most famous of these deliberate locomotive collisions, so much so that the event was immortalised in a piece of music by the legendary American musician Scott Joplin, the Great Crush Collision March, a musical rendition of The Crash at Crush. (laughs) 